Welcome to the Childhood Evolved podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. This podcast is all about continuing to evolve the state of childhood forward. So whether you're a parent, a teacher, or an advocate for young children, you're in the right spot. I don't have all the answers, and yet this podcast is meant to begin these conversations around all sorts of topics relating to the lives of young children. My specialty would be birth through age five or age six, since my background is in early childhood. Today's episode is called The Path to Recovery, or The Road to Recovery, and no, it's not an episode about drug or alcohol addiction. It's really about how to help children learn from their own challenging behavior and how to support them in recovering and moving forward out of these sticky spots that they so often find themselves in. When we look at childhood as a time of growth and development, it becomes really apparent to us that the job of children is to push back against our boundaries to figure out where they are. And really, they're trying to understand how life works. They haven't been on this planet for very long, if you really think about it. And this is their work to figure it all out. And so there's so many times in a day when children bump up against the rules and expectations of the adults, and we have to figure out how to respond. We have to figure out how to guide them and teach them and support them. And so this has always been one of the most important things for me as a teacher. There's a great quote by Maria Montessori that I have hanging up in my classroom. And it says, Teach by teaching, not by correcting. It can be easier to control and to hand out consequences and to let children know, I'm the boss, you got to listen to me. And yet this quote is so wise. Teach by teaching, not by correcting. It can be really hard to live by. And so I'm always asking myself, how do I shift in this moment? And today I want to talk about helping children chart their own course towards recovery after these difficult situations come up. So let's say you're working with a child. Maybe you're a preschool teacher or a parent. But let's just say you're working with a child who is three or four years old, and they're having a conflict with a friend or a sibling over a toy. And one of the children gets really, really angry, and all of a sudden they lash out, they hit. And so when we talk about children this age, we have to remember that they don't yet have what we call executive function. And this is the front area of the brain, prefrontal, and it's all kind of stuff like impulse control, delay of gratification, regulating emotions, being cognitively flexible. These are the things that they're working on developing at this age, and they're not going to be fully formed until adolescence and adulthood. Maybe even up to the age of 30, this stuff is still developing. So they can really get in deep in a short amount of time at this age without meaning to. And when this inevitably happens, they need our support to recover, especially in this area of emotional regulation and impulse control. Because we can talk about the teaching side of things and getting children to the place where they know what to do, but can they access it? When a strong emotion takes over, they're not necessarily going to be able to access and carry out these, let's say, your higher self, right? I mean, we all have these moments where we were trying to access our higher self, but it can be really, really hard to overcome the emotions. Think about driving in traffic, for example. And for a young child, this can be a place that they're not at yet. They're not able to regulate those emotions, to pause and delay the gratification to get that toy and to really negotiate with the other child yet. They need our help. 
and when they lash out and they hit or they bite or something like that happens, that's when they need us the most. And that's when it can be the hardest to want to help them if we're stuck in a mindset of, well, you disobeyed or you hurt someone or you did the wrong thing. If we put a value judgment on it, it can be really hard to get into a zone where we're going to be helpful. But to be fair to our children, to be generous with them, we need to help them chart their own course towards their own recovery. We need to help them figure out what they can do to make it better. And this is one of one of many reasons why most programs don't do timeout. It's kind of very an old-fashioned uh, d- discipline and behavior method that you don't really see much anymore, which is a good thing. And aside from all the other negative effects about timeout and punishment, which we can talk about another time, it's just really not helpful because children need to learn from what just happened. They need to be allowed to be agents in their own process of fixing it or moving on. Time out is just what it sounds like. It's time out of the situation. And what they really need is time spent in, back in the game. They need to spend time on helping. They need to grapple with the situation. And it's not going to be a perfect method, which is why they have all these years of childhood to get it right. And so the difference here between truly teaching children and supporting them in recovering from the situation versus just trying to maintain control or be the boss or get children to listen to you, this difference can be really subtle. And so sometimes I'll tell a a child, "You're, you're not being safe right now, so I need you to stand with me for a few moments before you're ready to go back and play. This happens a lot outside when a child throws a rock or pushes a friend or grabs the hose and is spraying everyone. They're not really able in that moment to regulate yet, and so they need a little break with me. So they'll stand, maybe hold my hand, take a few deep breaths and calm down, and then we can talk about what just happened. And the goal is to get them ready to go back into the situation, to remember what it is I'm expecting of them, and to be able to carry it out. So it's a natural consequence, and it has meaning for the child. And there's something that they can do to move on. Maybe I need them to calm down. Maybe I need them to make eye contact with me or to repeat what I'm asking. I may ask them, did you hear what I just said? Did you remember what I just said about the hose or about the rock? And then when I see that they're ready, I let them go. This is very different than, well, I'm just going to make you stand here or or put you in timeout, and I want you to know that you did something wrong and kind of have that sink in so that you'll think twice next time before you kind of do these things. I recently had a parent ask me, hey, isn't this rewarding the child for bad behavior? And it was around a situation where they were having a treat and they had just been in a situation where they were really angry, upset, throwing things. And this child had recovered, had spent time kicking some soft things outside and calming their body and was ready to re-enter the situation. So this question really got me thinking because my teaching style isn't based on rewards or punishment. It's not based on me really just knowing everything and being the boss and, and labeling everything good and bad. In fact, I try to keep value judgments out of it altogether and really focus on teaching children how to navigate the world for themselves and not saying good job and praising and giving out stickers and things like that are, are really the same exact thing for me because when I say good job, you know, way to go cleaning the sand or especially when people say, I like that or I don't like that, you're making it all about you with the child. And So instead of them trying to figure out how to navigate the world on their own and be successful, now they're thinking about pleasing an adult or, or keeping an adult happy versus not. 
instead of thinking, okay, I need to clean this sandbox and then I'm ready to move on to ride on a bicycle or build with blocks. It's just a natural thing in the world, just just like we move through the world. We do one step in order to get to the to the next step. And so this is really what behavior guidance is about for me, is, is really setting aside the value judgment. And teaching is a little bit different than parenting or, or family stuff because you may have values that you want to pass on to your child as you're raising them. And that's fine, but I think there's still a lesson to be learned from guiding behavior in a way where it's less about you being happy or unhappy and more about teaching the child. Look, when you pushed your friend, they started to cry. And having the child that pushed make eye contact or at least look at the face of the other child who's crying, who's upset, is really, really powerful. You do that enough times and your little human being isn't going to want to be someone that pushes and hurts other people because they're just trying to get what they want, which is a toy or really to have fun, to play with their friends. They don't, they're not going out there and wanting to hurt people. We don't need to teach them to not want to hurt people or to want to be nice or anything like that. That's all natural. That's all inside. We have to just give them the tools to be able to get there, to be able to be the people that they're ultimately going to want to be, who are kind, who are positive and pro-social and get along with others. And so along those same lines, I've really guided parents away from using sticker charts and reward charts and things like that. I mean, there's situations where a child has a certain special need and they're working with a specialist and that's part of the program. So setting that aside, that's its own thing. But just in general, setting aside, trying to find another way to proceed without charts and rewards and stickers and making things more natural is going to enable children to build these internal controls to self-regulate their own emotions, to delay gratification, and to build those executive function skills. And like we've touched on in previous episodes, believe it or not, it's actually through playing that children build these skills. When they're playing with each other, when they're all playing, let's say, superheroes, and two kids want to be Batman, and they've decided only one can, they have to use every little bit of their abilities to regulate, to not get angry, and to be okay not having that role for a few minutes, or to resist pushing. They're maxing out their capabilities when they're playing with each other, when they're playing with their friends and trying to be part of a game. They're not going to work that hard when they're cleaning the sandbox because you told them to because we need to stay on schedule. That's not going to be as motivating to them as playing with their friends. And when they're playing with their friends, they're doing a lot of pretend, which really works out those mind muscles of symbolic representation. It's kind of like going to the gym and working out in order to build muscle. When they're in these play situations, it's the most powerful thing. When they're with each other, they're having to use these social skills and these capacities to have emotional regulation. They're having to use those every second of the game, and it's really, really, really powerful for development. And so that's one of the reasons in an earlier episode why I said you really want to look for a school where children are being encouraged to play, are being supported in their play, and are being sometimes taught how to play. But really, they don't need to learn how to play. One of the biggest things the adults can do is kind of just create a safe space for it and then get out of their way. So that's basically it for today. I just wanted to kind of point out to people that there is a difference between helping a child navigate their own recovery and just trying to have like kind of control them. And like most things in life, we are giving messages or speaking on things that we need to learn ourselves the most. And as a teacher, as I've mentioned before, I have 
many, many, many children and I have to get through the day. I have to stay on schedule and, and keep the environment clean and keep everyone safe. And it's really, really challenging. It's it's great to sit here in my house alone on a Sunday and, and think about the perfect way to teach when I'm alone with my dogs and my turtle. But it's quite another thing to be in it with 40 voices in the air and you're afraid someone's about to get pushed over and hit their head on the ground or a bunch of glasses are about to fly off the table and you're stressed and you have to think so quick and in those moments in those moments it's much easier and it might even feel necessary to just say don't do that or you're not going to play or you're going to stand with me or whatever the case may be it's really hard to slow it down to take the point of view of the child and to teach it's it, teaching is hard teaching is really hard parenting is really hard and so this is something that every day of my career I'm learning for myself too and something else that I do that might be helpful to you is I, I journal I come home at the end of the day and I write down what I did that day really the things that didn't work or didn't feel good to me stick in my mind and, and I'll come home and I'll, I'll jot down hey I did this you know this child push someone in the grass and I asked them to go inside or, or to go to another area. And I really feel like in that moment I was stressed and I wasn't teaching the way I should have. I'll just jot that down and let it go. And it'll kind of sit in my subconscious and process in the background and later on bubble up. And I'll just find myself when the situation comes up again, when there isn't really time to think, I'll have a better response naturally coming out of me just because I've been reflective about it. And I think that's another big piece of, of teaching and parenting is not assuming that we have the right answer, or that we've done the best or the right thing all the time. I mean, I've had children really, really angry, and I'm following through on a plan that I made, but I'm asking myself, was I fair? Did I make the right call? And maybe this child is angry for a reason. Maybe I kind of made a bad call. And so now, like, you know, maybe I assumed that this child kicked somebody and really when I talked to another teacher later on I, I missed saw it and they didn't even kick the person but I'm here trying to teach them not to kick and to be safe and all of this stuff removing them from the situation and they're getting really angry and lashing out well it's like no kidding because they didn't even do it and because they're three or four you're assuming that you know best and that they're they're in the wrong or they're incorrect and so yeah asking yourself did I even make the right call and if a parent comes in and sees a child throwing things and kicking and being really angry, they may assume that's naughty behavior or bad behavior. But really, we have to ask ourselves, if we're really respecting children and taking them seriously, maybe they have a right to be mad. And maybe we want to raise children who push back and who challenge authority in a safe way and who don't just take no for an answer. And of course, there's, there's a safe, or I shouldn't say safe, but there's an effective way to push back and to challenge authority, especially nowadays, right, with everything going on in the world. And so that that's, I guess that's probably a whole nother podcast episode or series of episodes right there, um, how to, how to say no and how to kind of be civilly disobedient and things like that. And that goes along with the values of your family, the values of the school you work in and things like that. So we won't spend too long today going into all of that, but it is something to just keep in your mind. So that's really it for today, and thanks for sticking with me through this episode and continuing to be a part of these conversations meant to evolve the state of childhood forward. See you next time.